0: What's going on, buddy? <laughs> what what even was that? I was I I got beamed down from the oh, spaceship.
1: perfect. That's what I thought. What do you mean happening? what was that? You saw it happen? I saw, I it, saw happen. it happen in real life and somehow I didn't I just couldn't comprehend it.
0: Yeah, Nick really thought you weren't going to get started on time and then I just <laughs> I really didn't. in front of him. I really didn't. I was just sitting here alone with super cheesy like 1960s TV effects as well.
1: Yeah, that's what I've always wanted. It's what I've heard that this show doesn't have enough of.
0: <laughs> you know, I've heard the same thing. Have you? I've heard it actually has zero effects, like like TV visual effects.
1: That I've also heard. Yeah.
0: But uh, either way, welcome on in to another episode of Totem Talks, season two, episode 22. Wow. I don't know about you, yeah. but I'm feeling 22.
1: There it is. And now he won't be able to say that again until next season. We've got we've and got a solid six months <laughs> Uh, ahead of us before I will Pat say it says that again. I
0: will literally find a number for every single one, including sure. one is the loneliest number. Right. That's a great segue into the <laughs> artists we're talking about today. It's true. It's true. Um Before we talk about the artists, though, let's introduce ourselves. I would love that. Uh, this is Totem Talks, and I am Pat. And I am Nick. And with us, we have no one. No one at all. Nick's cat almost, almost he tuned in with us. He was considering,
1: but then he saw Pat and he remembered he's afraid of Pat. So. That's true. He's afraid uh, of me because I'm not. All of us <laughs> are a little
0: afraid of, of Pat. It's uh, it, You know what? It's funny because I'm way more scared of him. Yeah, it, yeah, that's true. That's and I, and true. before anyone gets ideas, I don't fear cats. I'm just very allergic to them. I like them. They're cuddly little demon Satan things, but they're cute. They are. I'm just, They're poison to me. That's correct, which is why I always keep several around. Yes, easily at least 5 at any given moment yeah. in this in 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 this studio. But uh either way, the acts that we're doing yes. today, Nick, uh are interesting. They are. Uh to say the least. So, we started with the the.
1: Yeah, I'm sure for all our non-British listeners that they remember that v- that that group very vividly.
0: Yes, the the uh, we follow that up with love because Indeed. you gotta have love.
1: That's true. It's all you need then, from what I've heard. So we should just <laughs> get rid of the other two artists. That's true. All you need is love.
0: Da 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 da. And then but- three dog night. <laughs> three dog night. Yeah, was we the wrapped other one. it up with three dog night. Yes. Uh, hence the amazing segue with one being the loneliest number, right. and a great
1: on. segue from our most recent episode because one was actually written, of course, oh, by already. Well, I mean, I just figured you keep talking about it. I was going to say gosh. it was written by, as our our dear friend Alex would say, uh, Hagrid Nelson. <laughs> uh, I, but as we say, Harry Nielsen.
0: He's not even here to defend himself. No,
1: he's not. But I had to get that shot in.
0: Oh, man. He never got his name right.
1: No, never once. I, even he off, still Even off not. the record he, here. Exactly. That's okay. Anyway. It's okay. But we the can poor talk guy. About the he's uh, he,
0: he just recently graduated. He did. Harry We're Nielsen. very proud of him. Yeah, Harry Nielsen. <laughs> no, Alex. Shout out to yes. shout out to our young child.
1: That's right, that we adopted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, let's get started with the. the. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say to the fans before we get started? No. The correct answer was "Happy Birthday, Nick." I can't believe you've forgotten.
1: To the fans? Yeah. Is it our fans' birthday? It's
0: our fans our, our singular fans his birthday today. Or her birthday today.
1: Is it? I have no idea. What day is it? It's somebody's birthday. <laughs> where, where I mean Somebody yeah, in sure. the world, it's okay. somebody's birthday
0: today, Nick, and you right. missed the opportunity to wish them a happy birthday. I'm so sorry. And on that note- So the The are an English post-punk band. (laughs) Yeah, they've been active uh, since 1979 in various forms, all the way through the present day, apparently. Mm -hmm. Uh, But basically, when they say The The's been active, they mean Matt Johnson. Correct, with a cast of characters. Yeah, exactly. We've had a few artists that have done this, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's been like, oh, the band's active, but it's really just one person. Right, there's
1: one kind of creative catalyst- uh, yeah. And pieces get kind of plugged in around them. I want the to say the Lemonheads heads did that as well. It could have been that way. Because remember, uh, we didn't
0: hate the third album, and it was just- No, it was it was the, was just well, the, the second singer. album was phenomenal. Yeah, but we didn't hate the third one. It was just- it that, was a cover the, album. the singer was the only yeah. one left at that point. I want to
1: say, was it Evan Dando? Was that his name? Something like that? Wow. That was a pull. I'll look it up. But anyway, that you talk more about the-, the
0: yeah, so we went over three of their uh, of their albums, as we normally do. Uh, we started with 1983's Soul Mining. Uh, was that was correct. their first album. Evan Dando was correct. I'm impressed. Uh, we followed that up with 1986's Infected. And then, uh, after a little bit of thinking, I think, uh, we came to the conclusion that 2000's Naked Self correct. was the last right. release studio exactly. album. Exactly.
1: There are four albums that came out after that, but they were all specifically film soundtracks.
0: Right, that was kind of the mm-hmm. niche that uh, Matt Johnson exactly. found himself in. He kind of in.
1: moved in that direction in the 2010s. Yeah, and that's all fine and good, and we'll you know keep that stuff in mind as we yeah, go later it's on. Just different. It's but not it, yeah,
0: it, you are not releasing studio work at that point. Really. Correct. You know, unless that op- that opens us up to the fact: do we do John Williams on the podcast? We'll see. Are we doing the the John Williams, Danny Elfman? I mean, at that point, Hans Zimmer. At that point, episode?
1: everyone is in. <laughs> Because if we're doing that, kind of, we've got we to open it up to the I'm rest of classical music. we got to open I it would, up to jazz.
0: I would throw a non-linear that was Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, and John Williams. I would do that as well. I would be happy to do that. That would be fun. But I would be happier if we started talking
1: about soul mining right now. So do you want to go first or uh, second first?
0: I'll go second first because okay. of
1: the way you phrased it. Sure. <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, so soul mining. Um, I was nervous going in. Pat had kind of prepped me. Uh he he did his listening um of the the before I did. I did. And I was really nervous that this was going to be like a very very synth pop record. And I this may come as a surprise to all of our listeners. Don't care for that genre at all.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. For the first time ever you yeah. said it out loud.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll admit it, I guess. Um but I didn't really get that from this record. There are definitely synthesizers in here, um, but I, I didn't find them offensive. I think for the most part, this was a really well-orchestrated album with a lot of organic instruments. Yeah. Uh, like a really wide breadth of different uh, instrumentations and styles and sounds. Like, Matt Johnson clearly has, like, a very eclectic taste uh, and view of how to orchestrate these individual pieces. And for the most part, even though I will definitely admit that this was not an album that I would probably go back to on a regular basis, I ended up, one, uh, liking it a lot more than I expected, two, uh, thinking that even though there were some popular elements to this that i wasn't crazy about it was definitely genuine and an honest artistic direction uh in no way chart chasing and then um i I really liked a lot of individual instrumental parts like the piano on the song uncertain smile was just absolutely brilliant um okay i mean I i think there's just a lot to like i think there's a lot to like and then you get to a song like giant which is nine and a half minutes of like the same five second drum beat over and over Mm. and over and over and over again and it was awful to listen to uh and then there was um a drum machine solo mixed into the middle of it and i was just like
0: the best way to showcase the drum machine is in solo form
1: yeah i I was just i found that bizarre how bizarre uh bizarre enough that i wrote it down as a negative because i'm just not like i would drum solos are not something that you normally listen for I totally get it. They're not like, you need to use them sparingly, and they should be unique and different and interesting. But this was just like, I'm not impressed by a drum machine solo. You programmed (laughs) a solo? Great. Like, if it was a real drummer, even if I was like, oh, that was kind of weirdly placed, I'd be like, okay, this drummer's showing off their talents. I was at least interested in it. Yeah, I mean,
0: for me, drum solos need to come in a moment of energy. Totally. Like if you're like feeling the energy and the beat of the song, and then the the drums rip into a solo, it's like whoa. Sure. But almost any other time, I was it's like say, What's Moby going Dick on? by
1: Led Zeppelin would be. The, That's a the great example. Example that I would think of. That song is mostly a drum solo with yeah. some high energy riffing on either side. But anyway, uh, you you talk now.
0: Okay, so uh, I am not as high on this album as Nick is. Uh, Let me be frank. Uh, I think that for me, I do recognize a lot of what Nick was saying. Um, I I did explain to him after I told him. uh, I actually wrapped up my listening early this week, so I went back and tried to give the the another chance.
1: Right, which was a good move, I think. Yeah,
0: and I did find more positives uh, on a second listen through. Because I was able to get through the elephant in the room, and that is that Matt Johnson cannot sing a lick. No. No, certainly not. Not even a second. No. He's not a good singer. Uh, And in fact, most of the time he doesn't try to sing. You're right. Uh, It's just kind of talky and a little off-putting. So listening to that the first time through, it was almost hard for me to put a critical ear on the instruments and uh, the writing specifically. Sure. Which
1: I will say right away, the writing at all is not bad at all. The
0: writing is not bad at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that's actually what I have to mm-hmm. put here. Um, for the most part, I have that the lyrics had a consistent message. Uh, themes of isolation, existential crisis, unrequited love. You know, all of these, like, really relatable things. Um, I think they were done well in parts. I also had Uncertain Smile as a, as a highlight track yeah. for me. I think it was just, you know, I got off on the wrong foot. Uh, I know that Nick said he didn't mind the use of synthesizers on this album, but I hope you'd agree that on the first track it was bad.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Uh, so I've been waiting for tomorrow all of my life. Oversynthesized. It sounded like really frantic.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny? Times. I noticed that looking back. For whatever reason, when I, I listened to this as a YouTube playlist, okay. the first and second tracks were switched for me. So this is the day was a much better song than I've been waiting yes. for tomorrow. And so I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then that one came on. I was like, oh, uh, okay, yeah. that's what he was talking about."
0: Uh, and and so you're absolutely correct. It follows it up with This Is The Day, um which I really enjoyed on parts and really hated on parts. The one part that I hated were was again the vocals. Sure. Because you're singing these like kind of really ambiguous lyrics, but you're doing a really passive job of vocaling. Like mm-hmm. you're not actively singing the song. Sure. And it's just it, it's really weird to me. Right. Um, And I think that happens more often in like the punk post-punk. Sure. Scene, which is why it's really not my style. Sure. Well, speaking of the punk scene and great vocals, do you know who played harmonica on this record, by the way? Uh I can only guess Huey Lewis because of harmonica.
1: <laughs> no, uh David Johansson uh the lead singer of New York Dolls. Oh,
0: well. Mm-hmm. Did you did did you say who I would
1: argue is probably like his maybe his second most famous
0: collaborator on all these th- the albums? I mean... I mean, but more importantly, Nick. Oh well, yeah, that I guess. Come on.
1: I know. I you know. gotta tell me. I don't want to overdo it. Um, we
0: will. We will do it every single. No, we won't. No. We can't.
1: But uh, I, I as was gonna we do say... more
0: episodes, we're gonna get more yeah, and more. From... Exactly.
1: But uh, Matt Johnson was famously friends with and often collaborated with Johnny Marr of the Smiths and yes. several other bands. That was. Uh, we didn't actually okay. cover any of the Johnny Marr records, though. He well... wasn't on any of the three that we did. Sadly enough, I just finished reading his whole autobiography, so I'm like. Anyway, I'll let you finish what you were doing and go I, on to
0: Infected. I will finish. Are you sure? I'm positive. We we can talk about Johnny Moore or Johnny Marr more. I would love. I mean, I love him. <laughs> do we just want to forego the artists this week and just do the Smiths? I would. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert for when we get to the Smiths. I like the Smiths. Uh, but yeah, I will talk about Infected. Um, so I was apprehensive about this album because. I didn't like the first album. Uh, like I said, it was okay in parts. Didn't really like it. Coming into the second album, I was like, okay, this is the best-selling album by this artist/slash band. Right. I am, you know, not expecting to like it, and I liked it more than the first one. Okay. and I liked it more than I thought. And I think the the thing with this album, there's two distinct differences. One, he went all in on varying the instrumentations and using different styles of music. Uh, And two, he was not the only singer. Uh, They had a female singer Mm -hmm. uh, throughout. I believe her name was Nina Cherry. She was better than him. She was much better than him. (laughs) Uh, A smokier voice. But mostly what it did was I no longer had to only focus vocally on Matt Johnson. Yeah, that helps. Even if she was only in harmonics, it made me less focused on him, mm-hmm. which allowed me to understand and appreciate the rest of the album more. Uh, so, I mean, it's still not going to get a super high grade from me in terms of what I listened to it again. Did I enjoy it? Because I really didn't. But giving it the critical ear of somebody who's listening to it to review it, mm-hmm. um. A lot to like here in terms of the writing and the instrumentation. Totally. Uh, The lyrical strength is still there from him. Uh, None of that is faded.
1: Yeah, no, I think the are a really great instance of an artist where we can like fully come up here and say, I didn't really like it that much. I'm probably never going to listen again. Yeah. But there's a lot of like good stuff and a lot of credit to be given where credit is due. Uh, and my opinions on the second album, Infected, are are almost exactly yours, yeah. word for word. I mean, it's I really enjoy a lot of the organic instrumentation, the variety of different things that he tries to do. I think he writes well, but he doesn't sing. And the inorganic percussion can definitely take you out of it at times. As much Very as the true. other instrumentation brings me in, the percussion kind of takes me out. But I, I will, I'll just mention that Q Magazine placed it as uh, number 99 on its list of 100 greatest British albums ever. So this cool. does have some... I mean, all these the, the albums have a lot of positive critical reviews. Well, like they're generally very well reviewed. Well, yeah, I guess.
0: I mean, I've learned if I've learned. I mean, it's unique.
1: It's very unique and very honest, and for that, I understand.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying, if I've learned anything on this podcast, it has been that critics typically don't agree with me. Often, that's true. Which makes me really worried for us eventually coming into the eye of critics yeah, as a great band. point because if i like the music we're putting out they probably won't <laughs> yeah well whatever
1: <sighs> don't let that get to remember you remember
0: when bob dylan was the eighth best singer on that list for i Rolling do Stone. i think he was
1: seven. Oh wait was That's it my worse. turn to do naked
0: self first yeah i was just gonna vamp for a oh few yeah hours. i was like
1: i'll let you take back over uh i guess i will talk about naked self which was the 2000 album but yeah. i can't do that without at least mentioning the album that came out right before this one okay which was entirely Hank Williams covers. It,
0: yeah, it, it I was. mean, they,
1: this band that we've been listening to, like in no way, shape or form could I have ever been prepared for the notion that they would have put out an album exclusively of Hank Williams covers. It makes
0: little to no sense. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice, fun alt-country album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know why it was so weird and off-putting, Nick? Go ahead. Did you see where it was recorded? I didn't know. It was recorded in Pittsburgh. Oh, God. What That's, a horrible city. There we go. That's yeah, why...
1: We, we are Our feelings in <laughs> Pittsburgh have been made clear. Ah. Now, uh, I will say a few other things about Naked Self, which was um, I some similar feelings, but I thought this one was probably a little bit worse than the others, Um It was in this weird place where the vocals are buried in the mix a little bit more than before. I mean, they're always a little bit down, but they're really buried in this one. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to hear his voice. But at the same time, the buried vocals kind of cause that effect where you're like really straining hard to try to figure out what's going on and still really difficult uh, to fully hear. And then the rest of the music has kind of passed you by, yeah. As you're as you're trying to make that effort, so I don't love that. I don't really love the industrial sounds, the, especially the percussive industrial sounds. Like that's a pretty immediate turn off for me, uh, and there was a song called boiling point. It was the very first song that was very bad to listen to. (laughs) That was a very, very unpleasant song. Um, (sighs) I guess uh, the one thing that I will say, um, there were some nice guitar parts strewn in throughout. There were definitely some nice guitar parts strewn in throughout. And there's always something that you can at least take away from one of these, the, the albums. It's never going to be fully bad to listen to. And that's, I think where I'll, I'll wrap up. That's, Fully, you know, a succinct summary of my feelings about everything, really.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I I hated this album. I I was going to try. I was really think. I was, like, straining my brain to come up with something. Um, All the things that I liked about the previous albums are almost entirely gone or lessened.
1: Yeah, um, they definitely were.
0: Particularly the, the lyrical writing feels super uninspired. Mm-hmm. It feels like a guy who just spent a year recording Hank Williams covers, (laughs) and then forgot how to write his own music, uh, and just was like, "Oh, I got to do this again." Right. Uh, It it felt super just bland. I I did like that they really started changing styles here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole you know post punk synth pop stuff is kind of gone Uh and, and it's leaning more towards they're, they're doing some bluesy stuff. Yeah. yep. you know, all of that stuff is really cool except for the fact that it, the music isn't good which Fair. really takes away. Um There was one song on the entire album that I really enjoyed and right. was hoping that, you know, I wish the entire album was this song over and over again and that is Phantom Walls. Okay. Which is yeah. the second to last song it's like basically just like a guy in a guitar acoustic song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand that I do prefer that style of music. However, I would like this style of music if, you know, he could sing. There. I really like. I really say that if Matt Johnson was a good singer or if they had just brought in a good singer to sing this stuff with how good a lot of the instrumentation was, maybe also bring in a drummer, but with how good <laughs> yeah. the instrumentation was and with how good the writing and lyrics were... This would be a band that may have turned me on post-punk. Yeah. Oh, I totally. Get it's that. the closest mm-hmm. I've come to really enjoying that like I, post-punky. No, I fully sound. agree with what you're saying. Um, but alas, we were not met with <laughs> with that no. grace. Full of potential,
1: a we... lot of good things, but the execution at the end of the day, the lack of vocal ability, and you know some of those other inorganic parts just yeah. kept this from reaching where we what would have been good for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing left to do is grade them.
1: I agree. Um, so starting with cultural impact, I mean, in the United States, it's almost impossible to to even find a person who's ever heard of the the or knows anything about them. Yeah. But they were successful in the UK. I mean, let's not that pretend that they were not successful. I mean, they had um, five top 40 records in the UK, two yeah. gold records in the UK. Uh, they were definitely known. They had a couple of high-profile collaborators. So, I mean, I do think they definitely need to get some credit here because just because they weren't known in the United States, they were pretty big in the UK, and they did at least sparingly charts throughout Europe.
0: That is true. Uh, Infected actually spent 30 weeks on the charts.
1: Yeah, which is huge.
0: Uh, which is great. You know, uh, they followed that up with two top 10 albums.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: They didn't really reach the U.S., even though they recorded a couple albums in the U.S. Right. That part is a little telling to me. Sure,
1: I mean, we're not the only place in the world.
0: No, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, like, typically, if you go like, for instance, we recorded an album in Bucks County. That's right. We are only popular in Bucks County. That is fair. Like. You would think <laughs> popular that, is a stretch well, but you know yes. what I mean. Mm-hmm. You would think that like going to a place to specifically record your music may boost your popularity in that place. Sure. So it didn't work. It did not. Um which is just interesting to me mm-hmm. uh that it I,
1: Sure. But I'm just saying, are... like, let's just give them credit for what's, for the credit that's due here. Oh, yeah, and... for
0: sure. I'm not, I'm not talking like a one. Yeah. No. Uh, but I mean, they, they're, I would be putting them maybe at a three max. Oh, I, w- I didn't even under know you that... were going to go that high. Like, I'm um... under a three. Oh, I, yeah. I, I I'm am. fine with that.
1: Uh, uh-huh. How I was just thinking that I would be able to argue up to like a two.
0: Yeah, I. I well, I think
1: I didn't even know if I was going to get you that high. If I'm being honest. Like <laughs> you've, the you've given me, like,
0: a, I think the sustained success and popularity in the UK and Europe. Yeah, I, is important. It I think totally honestly, is. having Johnny Marr be a part of the group. Yeah, that, that that's makes a difference. reason. Like people will know who the the are because, because Johnny Marr was in it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's definitely true.
0: Like, how many people would would know who like some of these obscure bands that big people have been in, like the sure. Yardbirds. Yeah. Would you know who the Yardbirds were if the people it in, it the, in it weren't in it? Sure,
1: right. The, it's what they did with their careers after that kind of has retrospectively exactly. made us realize the importance of a group like the Yardbirds, and that's fair. Exactly. So what do you want to do, like a two and a half?
0: Uh, maybe like a two, three. Let's not go nuts. Okay. sure,
1: there. Uh, Breadth of Work. There were six records, and there were also four of those film scores. I don't yeah. know how we want to factor those in, if at all but they did hit the average in terms of records and they did have two golds in the UK uh, and decent charting. Uh, so I wouldn't be much above or below average for that. I mean, probably, you know, an average tiny bit above for the UK golds. I, I probably wouldn't go in either direction for the quality. I might just sit on um, the quality because yeah. again, like we've been saying, even though the quality, again, these are three records we're probably never going to hear again. But I can understand why all of them were popular. Sure. It wasn't like it was just straight so bad that I don't understand how anyone could ever enjoy it. Like I yeah. understood what was good about them.
0: I I get it. I so get it. I'm Let's like do it. Five Oh, that point one's a little, little iffy to me. Well, that's
1: for the the gold records in the top ten charts. That point one.
0: Can we do like five point oh five? All right, I'll and round then it round it to a point one. That's fine. I'll know in my heart. <laughs>
1: okay, instrumental Town. I think this is their worst category. If I'm being by right. far. I mean, I think. <sighs> When I, we the, said
0: when we said the presence of these instruments was refreshing, we did not necessarily mean the playing was great. Right. The no, playing no. was okay. What was
1: good was the orchestration of the instruments. I mean, I think he yeah. is a very good songwriter. I think that's going to reflect in the next yeah. category. But the vocals were weak. I don't know how many points we want to give for the instrumental performances of a bunch of different, like, one-time collaborators or people eh. who are in and out. Uh, like I said, like... A lot of the programming and stuff like that would take me just as far out as the instruments brought me in.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so I I mean, I'm definitely aware that Johnny Marr was in this group, and
1: sure, but we didn't listen to any of his songs, and I don't
0: know how much of you
1: know his classic riff driven guitar playing was thrown around on those records. If I'm being honest,
0: yeah, I, I get where you're coming from.
1: I mean, I'm definitely below average. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I would probably be in between like three and four.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear you. Oh, okay. I love to hear you say it because I'm thinking yeah. the same thing. So I'm honestly, uh, maybe we just split the difference and three go and a three half.
1: half. I'm fine with it. Uh, But I do think for all of those reasons, like, you know, a great songwriter does exactly what Matt Johnson does on here. They explore different styles while staying true to themselves, they find the people to fill the, the spots that need yeah. to be filled in order to create.
0: A, except a, a drummer piece.
1: yeah. Except a drummer
0: couldn't couldn't find couldn't find a drummer in Britain. Right.
1: No, I guess not. But I'm definitely above <laughs> average on songwriting. Like, no, I, I, am, really, I, I really I really think that he deserves to be like a six or in that neighborhood of the sixes.
0: Okay. Um. Well, all right.
1: I also think that the ability to score film uh, is is just like another facet to hit Matt Johnson's yeah. talent. And those film scores were released as the the productions. So.
0: Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. yeah all right we can give them we can give them a six okay good I'm okay with that i will I will survive with that knowledge excellent uh poetic
1: talent. I know you want to speak probably a little bit more about this
0: so I think Matt Johnson writes relatable lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of captures you with the emotions that he's singing about. He doesn't really write story stories, Um, so take it or leave it. If you like that really story-driven songwriting, you're not really going to find it here. It's a lot more kind of abstract, emotional stuff, but it's good. I mean, he writes, mm-hmm. you know, nothing that he writes sounds, like, overly corny or overly cheesy or just like uninspired except for the last album which is gonna lose him some points for me sure uh but i honestly would be comfortable putting him in like a similar position to songwriting i'd be fine with that right Another around the six range because i, cause I would sense. be even a little higher if, if it, the last, album, didn't the last so. album
1: okay <laughs> is there an x factor here that i was uh unaware of um no i didn't think so either okay cool let's move on to love
0: Ah love. What sweet emotion it is. And also an American psychedelic and folk rock band formed in Los Angeles in nineteen sixty five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um that's that's it. So the the year's active. Get ready. We're going on a trip here. Nineteen sixty five to nineteen ninety six, then two thousand two to two thousand five, then two thousand nine to two thousand nineteen. Wow. What a journey what, yeah. we were taking on there. What a, a journey there. There. indeed. Uh, but alas, we didn't get that far uh, in years of listening. That's right. Uh, because they all released similar times.
1: They did. They really, uh, coasted on those <laughs> first couple albums. Uh,
0: so we listened to Love, the eponymous debut mm-hmm. album, as is typical. So typical. I know. Uh, that came out in 1966. Uh, we followed that up with Forever Changes from 1967, and then we wrapped things up with Real to Real, R-E-E-L to R-E-A-L. Right. Very uh, important. Which came out in 1974. Yeah. Um, and if you if you end up going on the wiki, you'll see there's two albums after that, Love Lost and Black Beauty. They are compilations and therefore excluded. Correct from our judgments. Yes,
1: we will pass no judgment upon them for any reason.
0: <clears throat> Drop the gavel. That's my gavel. <laughs> that was that
1: was a very uh, masculine gavel. <laughs> Why don't you talk about love?
0: Uh, well, I mean, what's there to say about love? Nick, I it's such you a were complex emotion. This. I knew
1: you were going to do this. We talk about the album.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Here's what I'll say. I said this to Nick, and I will say it to you, the people of my heart. Um, oh, I didn't even mean that because it's love. Mm-hmm, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a band who made possibly the worst first impression on me because the song My Little Red Book was <sighs> terrible. <laughs> was It's the opening track of this album. It was so bad. Well, they didn't write it, which that is helps. which is a great plus for them because it was it was bad. I didn't like it. It didn't sound good. It sounded like almost off key. Mm-hmm. Like it sounded like a band who just looked up the term modal shifting in right. a dictionary and went, oh, we can try that, and had no clue what they were doing. <laughs> that uh, So I was terrified about the rest of this album. Right. And then I loved it. Yep. No pun intended. Uh, after the first song, this album just opens up. It is great. Um, Arthur Lee has a killer voice. A lot of like grit and smoke in his voice. Uh, I thought that um, he wasn't the only one writing here, but he was by far the better writer. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, Brian McLean was the other writer, right? Uh, and he had some moments here. The song I was "Softly say, to softly Me" softly to
1: me was definitely a highlight of this record. Yeah, I Yeah,
0: and it really was. It was. A, it's a really beautiful song. But I just the anger <laughs> mm-hmm. coming through, of, coming out of Arthur Lee when he's singing, even no matter what he's singing about. Ah, uh, just very interesting. Uh a couple highlights for me besides "Softly to Me." Ah, uh, the song "You I'll Be Following" really reminded me of a bird's track. Okay. Um, had like yeah, had I totally... that influence mm-hmm. behind it. That that was really it was pleasant to hear. Yeah, well, California bands in the '60s makes sense uh it does make a ton of sense mm-hmm. uh also i really enjoyed signed dc uh that mm-hmm. was a really yeah, I strong that, as well. that was a really strong number uh, as well you
1: know it's funny i wrote that down as a highlight and then i wrote next to it i love this even though alex will hate it because it has harmonica in it and <laughs> alex told us on this podcast <laughs> that he hates the harmonica
0: yeah that's true that's true oh well yeah he can have whatever opinions he wants and if that's they're right. wrong they're wrong exactly but honestly that's all i have yeah uh, i don't want to talk too much about it
1: sure now, uh, I will say just a couple things, because I, I agree with you that I, I really enjoyed this album. Uh, it's a very cool blend of some of the influences that were around at that time, like almost still hanging on to that garage rocky feel, but also introducing some elements of psychedelia into the into the music as well, which I think made for some really cool stuff. I definitely agree. Um, so the way that I listened to this was in stereo on with my AirPods in. Okay, And so I could very clearly Not hear right. Um, basically the rhythm section coming in through one side of my head and the guitar on the other side, which yeah. helps you really listen to the parts individually, which is how I came to realize how cool all the different guitar parts and especially the bass. Uh, I think right from Can't Explain, uh, which is the second track through to the end, there was a lot of really cool stuff to listen for in the bass playing specifically. I really enjoyed that. And then you, you mentioned one other thing that I'll touch on, which is, uh, like, the anger uh, and the yeah. upsetness that you could hear in Arthur Lee's voice. Uh, and specifically with the song My Flash on You, it hit me like, oh, this could have been, like, a real precursor to punk music. Uh, it definitely I had that kind of aggression uh, and anger but to it that made me think that.
0: here more. we go. You know, I've kind of disparaged punk mm-hmm. um, in on the podcast at times. But not Rhodes. Punk with a good singer works. It does. Like, the problem is with so many punk bands is, like, I really, you know, I get the message, I get the lyrics, I understand that stuff, but, like, I, it really feels like part of it is just singing bad on purpose, which, if mm-hmm. it is, that's fine. Do whatever you want to do to express your art, but, like, I, as a singer, I thrive on good singing. That's sure. just my thing.
1: Yeah, okay, so I'll say one last thing and move on to Forever Changes, which is, I, I almost, I can't believe we didn't bring this up. Hey, Joe. There's a cover of Hey, Joe. And I was like a minute into it, and I was like, wait a minute. Is this Hey, Joe right now? I had no, it's, it's like a such a different version of the song. It's so unique to yeah. them that you would almost never guess that that's what it was. Uh, Which st-
0: to be fair, that is how you do a cover.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. You like, do a cover.
0: I'm, so it sounds like your own song.
1: Yeah, totally. I agree. Uh, so I'll go into forever changes. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, there's probably a better chance than average that you've heard of this already, because this is definitely an album. This is a music nerds album this is like such a beloved album in a lot of like online music communities in beloved. critical communities uh in like critical communities uh forever changes is absolutely what i would call a cult classic sure. and it, and it deserves that title um it was actually also on the rolling stone top 500 albums list of all time it was ranked 180 um not bad not bad at all but i mean it's rolling stone is not the only uh, place to do that the Grammy Hall of Fame inducted this album yes. in 2011 uh Colin Larkin who writes the top 1000 albums that you have to hear before you die books uh ranked this as like 12 in his third edition enemy uh ranked this as 37 on their top 500 albums of all time it was included into the library of congress um so you to get the idea. idea that it's like it's a huge deal album in terms of it's like a cultural milestone Uh, at this time and that people you know really see it as an important piece of music yeah as they should as i should because it's phenomenal i mean i haven't even gotten to the music yet i mean haven't it it's amazing right from the beginning to the end this was not my first time listening through and i've enjoyed this album several times before but every time i hear it i love it even more um, right from yeah. the start, you get the song "Alone Again," or which was one of the closest things that they ended up ever having to a hit. But it's just got so many great parts going on all at once, like this beautiful guitar part, a wonderful string part. There are harmonies going on throughout. There's a trumpet solo that's really phenomenal in the song. Like all of those different exp- experiments, all bringing together all those different instrumentations and writing really cool songs that kind of felt like they stuck to their garage rockiness but also brought in so many other elements it's 1967 at this point it's kind of reminiscent of like the beatles experimenting and changing uh in a very lot of ways true. during this time period so i mean i have nothing but great things to say about forever changes it's uh you know a critically acclaimed classic i and have a very
0: be. specific comp when i when i want to let you finish
1: no no, no i'm good but you can go. are you sure
0: positive. Okay. So before I get into the specifics, listening through this album, one album kept coming to mind over and over and over again. Not necessarily for like the actual like full on sound, but like almost like the spiritual feel of it. Okay. And that is Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like fully. And for those of you who don't know, Nick. That would be the first Pink Floyd album. Is obsessed. Which I actually with think Pink
1: Forever Floyd. Changes is a better album than Piper.
0: I agree. Yeah, I agree. I was afraid to say that because no no, 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 no. I mean, to yell. not once, that you yell.
1: No, I, I don't yell. But I mean, I love Pink Floyd because David Gilmour is my favorite musician of all time. Yeah, and he wasn't in the band for Piper, so
0: that's true. I understand, but like, really got that vibe from them. Uh, specifically, like. While there's that heavy like psychedelia involved in places, uh, there's a lot of mixtures of different things. Like, yeah, the first track, Alone Again Or, has this like flamenco feel, Mm. which is really interesting. Uh, Now, I'm not going to talk about all the specific sounds. I want to talk about, I already mentioned Alone Again Or. I'm going to talk about one song and then a little bit of uh, the closing track. Okay. The song that I'm going to talk about is A House Is Not a Motel. Nice. For, Like, the absolute incredible depth of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I thought that Arthur Lee was a good writer from the first one. I thought that he wrote, you know, some witty stuff with some emotion. But this dude was so woke. (laughs) This is the lyric I want to quote. The news today will be the movies for tomorrow. Mm. Like, dude. Yeah. If only you knew. Yeah. That is literally the world today. And and even more so, I mean, obviously he couldn't necessarily have predicted the smartphone movement. Sure. But no. like the news today is the movies of today as well. Like that's mm-hmm. all anybody ever sees is like, right. you know, camera phone camera footage of the world. And so like just it really hit me hard. Yeah. When I was like, oh man, that like I was driving and I was like, I had to pull out my voice recorder and be like, remember this line from this song. Like, right. Super deep. Uh, and then the other one that I wanted to do is You Set the Scene, which is the closing track. So
1: not The Daily Planet? I wasn't going to talk about The Daily okay. Planet. Well, I, all I'll say, because I don't want to forget to bring it up, is uh-huh. do you know who arranged that song?
0: I I don't.
1: It was actually arranged by Neil Young for these guys. Oh, I
0: mm-hmm. I did know that. I'm sad. I no. did know that. I knew Neil Young was, nah, whatever. It's too late whatever. now. Whatever, yeah. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Everybody knows. Let's now. cut the recording. Okay. <laughs> uh wait recording no we're live
1: yeah exactly you set the scene that's where you (laughs) left off
0: yeah you set the scene um just again with the deep meaningful lyrics it's just like this really impassioned plea for like awareness and like fixing what's going on in the world and like my god, if that's not super relevant mm-hmm. today. Always. Like everybody always banding relevant. together. Well, yeah it is, but I mean, I feel like it's even since he's written these lyrics and performed this song, it's become 10 times as relevant and important for us to all like try to work together to stop the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um and yeah, th- that's it. And I'm I'll take us into real to real. To real. So, a couple things have happened right, yeah. since uh, Forever Changes. Arthur Lee fired the rest of the band. Um yep. just gone. It's now Arthur Lee and Company. Uh, <laughs> and he has recorded a couple tracks since then, like a couple albums in sure. between. Didn't do so hot uh including his solo album Vindicator. Right. Kind of flopped. Um so this album is different uh it's not you very know it's different. it's very different it's not the same love uh however it's still pretty high quality stuff mm-hmm. it's far from a perfect album right um which we literally just almost had yeah which is right. what makes this comp really tough but if you listen to it you know for what it is it's really good he gets to kind of cut loose a little bit you know he's not he doesn't he, he's not as constricted in what he's writing uh specifically there's a different feel to this album, a more R and B funk feel. Oh, totally. It's a yeah, it's a Um, full
1: blown R and B album. Let's not get ourselves. We don't have to tiptoe around it.
0: No, it it is. But there's like some some really nice R&B in, in, in Stop the Music for me was the first one that, that mm-hmm. really hit me with that R&B feel. Uh, so then you move on to Who Are You, which has this really nice funk voice uh, coming from him, which I actually wrote, like, I was curious when I saw this album labeled funk. I was like, I'm curious how his voice will handle funk because it sounds like it will kill it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it did. He sounded great on it. Uh, and then the only other one is uh, Which, Which is Which had a really nice tangy blues feel to it.
1: Oh, good—you didn't take my note on that one.
0: Oh, good—I'm glad I didn't. Is it—is it that he spelled "witch" in both ways? No.
1: Well, so what's really interesting is they used a technique to record the solo. Uh, it was reversed. Oh, the guitar solo, okay. the notes were reversed. Um, nice. They played it backwards. Uh, or at least that's what it sounded like to me. Very like It sounded yeah. very clearly like they took the notes and reversed them back through the machine and put them on the record that way. That's fun. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool and interesting um, little thing to do. But if I'm going to be honest with you, I actually had a slight disagreement. Not that I didn't like this album very much, which I did. Mm-hmm. But I actually felt that there were times on this record where while... His singing voice was still nice. It felt a little mismatched to the music. Maybe almost too soft and delicate for it.
0: Okay. Uh, I can understand that. And I mean, I think part of the problem with with that is like when we think of funk singers, we think of people just sure. doing irreparable mm-hmm. damage to their vocal cords on a daily basis. No, yeah.
1: I, I know what you mean.
0: And it, he definitely wasn't doing that. So you're no. not going to really get like the screamy, like super gritty sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought- for like a controlled performance of funk, mm-hmm. it was still really good.
1: Sure. No, I, I agree. I, I do agree with that. Um there were one or two other tracks that kind of broke the mold on that funk feeling. Like yeah. uh busted feet towards the end was like a full blown mm-hmm. rock and roll jammer, which was a great change up. It's always nice to get a little bit of variety on the album, so I think that was that was a nice piece to highlight. Uh and overall there were a handful of guitars a uh, guitarist that he brought on to the record to play on different tracks uh, in the studio. And they all did a really nice job. I think there were yeah. a lot of great guitar parts, a lot of things to like on here. Uh, and then there was one song that I unexpectedly felt like I recognized. The last track, Everybody's Gotta Live. Yes, I was like, and you oh, would I didn't have recognized know <laughs> that I knew that coming in. Um, but that was pretty cool to end up realizing that I knew a little bit more of love uh, than I thought I did coming in. And I think that's all I need to say. Are you sure? I mean, other than Let's grade them.
0: So where do you put the cultural impact of love?
1: I mean, it's not high. I mean, they never yeah. had much commercial success in the U.S. They actually did better in the U.K., which is really the place where Forever Changes uh, was so high on the charts that it ended up being our choice. Yeah. Um, But that is (sighs) such a pivotal album. I mean, it's like, I want to give them a more than a point one, just because of I, the cultural to. importance of the album "Forever Changes." Well, and I mean, that's pretty not much only, it, but. not
0: even just that. I mean, just in terms of like benchmarks, "Forever Changes" is in the Grammy Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's in the National Recording Registry. Like the album itself. So, like, yeah, the band itself didn't see much success outside of that album. But that one album, you know, not a lot of people have an album of music that gets put in the Grammy yeah, Hall of Fame. You're in the absolutely National Recording right. Registry. I
1: mean, it it has been written up enough it has been well received and and talked about enough that it will definitely endure yeah like I'm at like that will four. be their legacy really no I was like <laughs> I just, just trying to get them face. above a point one man. no
0: honestly though I think it's probably a one I'm okay with that. I think, you know, I mean, it's not just a single song. If it was like a one-hit wonder kind of situation, but it's more like a one album of extremely enduring and endearing music. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you're not
1: going to get me to be upset about giving them a higher number. Uh, For Breath of Work, there were seven records. Yes. Uh, seven studio albums they didn't sell let's be real they're not getting points no, there no, but no. they definitely are getting quality points i mean they're they were a very talented group that put out a lot of really good music we didn't really find an album we didn't like so
0: that's very true except for the one the song. first yeah. song i also
1: listened to Decapo um for the okay. record which is also good yeah uh, but um, the quality is classic. consistent
0: yeah very consistent throughout which is important
1: yeah totally um, so I mean we're in the fives because there are Easily. seven albums and, I mean, they can't get too high just because they're not selling at all. But I would I would be comfortable with getting them around a five and a half.
0: I would uh, even be comfortable a little higher. It's, okay. such a, it's such a quality boost. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And it's consistently good. And they were they were mixing it up mm-hmm. in genre form. Sure. They weren't just sticking to one thing. Well, I think
1: that's what's really going to help them in songwriting. But Yeah.
0: I mean, I, but just the fact that, you know, you're doing all of that and you're maintaining a quality. Mm-hmm you yeah, know definitely, definitely helps did. your breadth of work i'd probably be closer to like a 58 or a 59 okay, not I'll up in you the, the five, 6 eight. range 58 yeah Perfect. but i think
1: that's that's totally uh, acceptable uh, an instrumental talent i didn't think that this is you know other than some studio musicians at times who who really yeah. did some nice things on the last album. This is not a, an area in which they would lose points for me, but it's not an area in which there's a lot for them to gain above average no. for me either. Um, they're kind of like just pretty right down the middle as far as that. Internal. I would very give... competently done, but really well orchestrated.
0: I would give a little bit you know, still in between a five and a five and a half for Arthur Lee's you, voice. Okay. I really enjoyed his voice and I really enjoyed it again, hearkening back, singing multiple different genres. Sure. Okay. I know you had a little bit of an issue with the blues funk. Right. And again, I did not think
1: it was bad. I just kinda of, it kind of was oh, this is an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, it's but um I I'd, I'd be fine with the five three since I gave him a five eight Let's last do it. time and in between. Uh, so Songwriting Town, this is where uh, they really showed Absolutely. a lot of depth and range on every record. Uh, so this Absolutely. is probably, you know, a good bit above average for me. I mean, we have already talked about the different genres that they covered, the, the orchestration, the different instruments that they brought in, uh, just the different styles of song that they wrote. Yep. I, I would be comfortable because they did, you know, have a full seven albums where they kept exploring the stuff and doing different things. I would be comfortable in the like six and a half to seven range here for sure.
0: And I am fully on board with that uh, because, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. The ability to do it not just in your niche Mm -hmm. is so impressive. I agree. You know, you're not just writing, you know, oh, a bunch of psychedelic songs or a bunch of folk rock songs. like. You're really mixing it in, and that's so refreshing as a listener. I
1: I totally agree too.
0: Like it's so refreshing mm-hmm. as a listener. I I so what you're saying is to go
1: that. with the full seven.
0: Go with the full seven.
1: I agree. Uh, and then poetic talent is the last.
0: This thing. one for me, I, like I cannot tell you. Like going back and listening to this stuff is so raw and so absolutely relevant for today. Like, it doesn't feel dated at all. Like, these songs could easily be coming out in 2020, 2021 in, the, in this range and be just as meaningful and important, if not mm-hmm. more so. You know, and granted, I say if not more so because I didn't live in the 60s. Sure, right, we don't know. I, But But my God, did they hit me. <laughs> uh yeah. so i honestly am at least at a seven here as okay. well if I'm not okay a little with that. higher maybe even closer like a seven three or seven four i would be
1: okay with the seven three i i think you've made your argument very clear yeah uh and i'm gonna roll with that is there an x factor now i i'm hesitant just because if we're gonna talk about forever changes and why that makes an x factor point like there are so many Individual albums that are considered, yeah, of import, just from the year 1967 alone, there are like 50 artists who wrote, you know, a remarkably important album in that year. Like it's probably, arguably, the best year in music history.
0: Yeah. Uh So here's the thing. I'm not going to talk about why they should get an X Factor. I don't think okay. they should. What I am going to do is take a minute or two here and just talk about Arthur Lee's life for a sure. second, because uh, his life is upsetting to me. <laughs> i'm upset with
1: you arthur how <laughs> Not dare you with live him that at way. all
0: uh so arthur lee in the 90s was sentenced to 12 years in prison for a for the charge of a negligent discharge of a firearm now uh lee had the chance to take a plea deal and didn't because he didn't fire the gun right he denied having fired the gun and he said that it wasn't him and that you know they were just trying to throw the bro- throw the book at him and now before we get too far, this was not his first criminal offense uh, which is why the charge was so steep. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, he didn't do it Uh, A visiting fan named Doug Thomas, who had originally denied involvement, later confessed that he had done it after the conviction. So Arthur Lee the entire time was like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And nobody believed him. And he got sentenced to 12 years in prison. Yikes! Uh, yeah, that's
1: that's very unfortunate.
0: <laughs> uh, so he served about five and a half of those years. Uh, but in prison, he refused all visitors and refused all interviews because he thought he would beat it because he didn't do it. Sure, right. And he was so disheartened that mm-hmm. he had lost the case. And during that time, former bandmate Brian McLean and Ken Forsey both died. Um. Like without him ever getting a chance to like either reconcile or say right. goodbye or any of that stuff, so just like really disheartening stuff. Yeah. Uh. But the the icing on the cake comes in two thousand one. So he served five and a half years, and then a federal appeals court reversed the charge against him, as it found that the prosecutor was guilty of misconduct.
1: There you go. I wonder if they knew uh, about the other person at first and just didn't reveal that information. That might have been, Could the have been misconduct a Brady violation.
0: Just but anyway. Just just had to throw that out there. Like, just ugh, hurts me. Yeah. I hate that stuff like that. So let's
1: move on to Three Dog Night.
0: <laughs> let's let's cheer ourselves up with exactly. Three Dog Night. Three Dog Night is an American rock band. They were formed in nineteen sixty seven, the year Forever Changes came out. Right, and uh, they are uh, are still active. They uh, they did that really fun thing that a lot of bands seem to do. They were active from 1967 to 76, then went eh, see you in five years, and yeah. then <laughs> and then came back from 1981 till the present day. Right, it's it's weird that this isn't the first band that has taken specifically a five year break. Yeah, right, and then come back. It's so, a great amount of time to have off. Apparently, uh, should we break up for five years?
1: no no
0: but if we could get like a a
1: five-year um what's the word i'm looking for sabbatical sabbatical from our other jobs <laughs> that would be ideal
0: yeah guys i will see you all in five years i am <laughs> i am removing myself <laughs> from work be back soon right anyway uh but yeah so we went over three albums for three dog night get it <laughs> yeah we did that <laughs> we special over, just for them <laughs> just for them no one else we listened to them all, to them all at night with a dog <laughs> I mean, you're not that far off. Yeah, I I know. I know. Tucker. How did Tucker like them? Okay. Uh, But we listened to Three Dog Night, their eponymous debut album deja vu to very recently on this mm-hmm. podcast uh we followed that up with severin severin, severin separate
1: <laughs> fools
0: seven separate fools and then we closed it out with it's a jungle and uh yeah that's that's what i got so nick mm-hmm. you are first oh is it my turn to go it's first it's your okay. turn
1: i will be very quick uh i mean it it opens up with one we already hinted at it at the very beginning of the show That was obviously the huge hit from this record. Uh, And it's a great song. It's it's a really wonderful song. Yeah. I don't know. Did Harry Nilsson also record a version of this that I just haven't listened to? I believe he did. Okay. Yeah, I'd be curious. Because it's just so funny that the big thing that sticks out about this album uh, is that they don't write any of their songs at all. Any. But they pick mostly songs by people... Like that I haven't have heard the other person do ever. I'm like, oh, the Three Dog Night version is the famous definitive version of this song. And they had so many hits where like I could think of a bunch of Three Dog Night off- songs off the top of my head. And I never would have guessed there was another version out there for any of them. Yeah which is kind of interesting. Um, But just a couple of things that are really consistent throughout this album. One, their whole shtick, the whole reason why there are three, Dog Night, is they have three lead vocalists. Three lead vocalists. uh, All talented singers. Um, They they definitely have very different voices. It's very cool to to get that kind of differentiation throughout, and then they can use that uh, to effectively do some really cool vocal arrangements. It's For You, I think, was a really good example in this album of a really interesting vocal arrangement. Uh, for all of them. And other than that, the, the I thought that the organs and guitars both kind of stuck out throughout this album. There were really good spots uh, to listen to the organ playing and the arrangements for the songs as well as the guitar parts. So all in all, it was a strong album vocally. It was an album that I found, you know, interesting throughout to listen to um, for the instrumentation. So I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say. I absolutely loved this album, listening through it. Having three lead singers all just there to sing, you know, very strong. I mean, every once in a while you strike gold, like with mm-hmm. bands like Queen or Eagles, who have the four members of the band who all play the, the instruments. Beatles. The be- Well, I was... Heard of them. I- I was going to talk about the Beatles because Lennon McCartney wrote, wrote it for, for you. Mm-hmm. So I was going to wait, but thanks for ruining that. Sorry. Um, but you have bands like the Beatles and like mm-hmm. Queen and like Eagles who happen to have four great singers involved and, you know, luck would have it and it's perfect and it works out and they, you know, skyrocket in fame. Three Dog Night went, eh, why do that? When we can just have three people just singing. Yep. And honestly, it does create this really interesting dynamic because you're able to do more complex vocal arrangements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have three, I mean, for the most part, if you're recording, like pre-recording, you can do pretty complex stuff. But I mean, Nick, I know you've run into this a few times where it's like I literally can't focus on that harmony because I'm this is a really difficult riff to play. Sure. Yeah. There's some. Uh, locked where- out of heaven. Is a big one. So yeah. we do a cover sure. of Bruno mm-hmm. Mars's "Locked Out of Heaven," and you struggle with that because the the rhythm you're playing is off is the opposite of the rhythm you'd be singing. Right. So like having just three dedicated vocalists does solve issues like sure. that, and they utilize it. They utilize it with these really interesting little harmonics that they do, uh, with the arrangements that they do. It's basically gonna just boil down to the fact that they don't write anything. <laughs> Yep. They they mm-hmm. perform them so well and they yeah. make songs famous. Like Harry Nielsen's like, you know, one, he couldn't make it a hit. They made it one of their biggest hits by far. Exactly. Um, easily their second most famous song ever. It's up there. I mean, it wasn't
1: one of their three number ones, but yeah. it was a top five.
0: I I would argue that it's it's
1: it's continued to be used yeah. in culture. I agree. I I'm mean. just like, mentioning that they did have three number one hits Absolutely. and one wasn't one of them, believe yeah, it or not. It was I think incredible. a three or a four,
0: I'll double check. Um but you know, just moving down the list real quick. It was only a five. Wow, it was nothing. <laughs> Just nothing. Nothing. Uh, but but seriously, like a lot of really killer stuff. The song "Nobody" has those really interesting R and B harmonies that are involved. Uh, you move down uh, to "Heaven Is in Your Mind," a, a fun traffic jam. Yeah, right, right,
1: because right. <laughs> it's a traffic song.
0: Yeah, that's I, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I said that joke earlier, right. Nick Nick patted me on the head and. So maybe we'd put it on the fridge. Yeah, I did. Um, but they really do a lot of interesting stuff. Chest fever really pushes the tempo. So you're that's right towards the middle of the album where like you could start to maybe feel like it's getting a little samey. Not mm-hmm. it's not, but you could feel that way, and then they mix it up right in the middle, right where they should. So like the construction of this album is interesting. They also closed it out with a really good cover of Try a Little Tenderness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is for the second week in a row, right? That we've had Try a Little Tenderness. Or second out of three. Second out of three. Time is irrelevant. That's true. Either way, yeah, it's second out of three. Yeah. But, you know, I still prefer Otis Redding's version. Uh, I do, too. Um, but, but the Three Dog Night version was a top 40. Yeah, it for was. I, I believe it was 29. It was. And uh, Otis was 25, only like go. four or five years earlier. Right. So, rock on.
1: Yeah, agreed. You want to take us into seven Seven Sever- separate uh, You r- did it, too. R- 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 you got me. I can't yes, say
0: it anymore. Yes, I'm, I'm happy. Now I feel less like an idiot. Yeah, Well. You
1: shouldn't. <laughs> well, I feel more like an idiot. Is more that like that,
0: and we and we both are, in fact, Th- idiots. That's correct. But here's the thing. It stays strong. Uh this album does feel a little bit more dated just a bit. Uh specifically the first track, "Decent Message," but like a really dated feel. The message sure. is, it's black the song's and white. black
1: and white. Yeah, it was a huge hit. I mean, it wasn't a, it, it was. was one of their number ones.
0: It, and it and it well deserved. It's a mm-hmm. great song. But listening to that in 2021, I was like, "Whoa, I can tell that this album or this song wouldn't fly as well." True. Uh, they mix it up a lot in this album. Uh, so they have the Tulsa Turnaround, which is a super country, cheesy song. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bad, but it's like they're having fun. That's yes, the totally. vibe that I get from Three Dog Night, is they, they're they just hanging out, having fun, drinking a few beers, and making an album. That's the vibe. Right. Whether or not that's what actually happened, that's one thing, but that's the vibe that they give off. Um, and they have some really good harmonic moments. The song Chained... Yeah, great uh, layered great parts. Great layered parts. Absolutely. I thought the song itself was a little weak. Um, like, But the vocal parts were- But the vocal were, parts were yeah, really great. really great. Uh, and then you had uh tracks three and four, Prelude to Morning and Pieces of April. I was so
1: shocked by Prelude to Morning. Yeah. This band has built their entire shtick on having three lead singers, and they threw in an instrumental. <laughs> yeah. I love that, though. It's...
0: I did. I loved it, and I loved how, how well it bled into uh, the next track, mm-hmm. Pieces of April, which was a really nice- Beautiful story piece. Mm -hmm. Um, The only problem I have with this album is the same problem we're going to have the entire time. They didn't write anything. (laughs) Correct. So take that for what you will. And Mm -hmm. what is your opinion? Okay. Um,
1: I have some pretty similar feelings to you again. I I really like this record again. I really enjoyed listening to them all sing again. I thought the organ, again, stuck out as an instrument that was very done really well throughout the record. Uh, some cool stuff that was kind of like heavy rock and roll at times, too. Like It got heavier than I would expect a group that's kind of vocal forward like this to get, um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, I also noticed uh, that there was someone who came out and mentioned this as being one of their favorite albums of all time. Someone that you like very much... Said that this was his third favorite record ever made.
0: Oh, I know who this is. Go ahead. It's Brian Wilson that's from The correct. Beach
1: Boys. Mm-hmm. I know this. Yeah. He
0: collabed with them a few times, right? Which makes sense. Totally. Super vocal heavy exactly. group.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but that's that's pretty much all I have to say without mirroring what you had to say. So I'll yeah. go into it's a jungle. So this was after the breakup, you know, they did the breakup, they were done making new music uh, and they were kind of disheartened that their stuff wasn't charting and selling as much anymore. I mean, they had been having very consistent success uh, with their first many, many albums, like everything was doing well. And as soon as they had two albums that didn't go gold pretty quickly or chart in the top 40, they're like, "Okay, we're done. This is no good anymore. Yeah. Uh, but cl- luckily they changed their mind and they decided to come back together. And I think it's good that, you know, you shouldn't let that get down to you and you shouldn't, you know, be disheartened and sad. But they came out with this. I don't, I has, it's not an album. It's an EP. It's a jungle. Really. Yeah, five tracks. It's only five tracks. It's only 16 and a half minutes long. Um, And it's very clear that it's 1983. It's yeah. not the 70s anymore. It's, it's the, not 80s. the 60s yeah. We're there. Um, So... Uh, Compared to the other two albums, I will say that That's the label mistake. that this was released on went bankrupt shortly after this was released.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> no, well, you are not... implying a
1: correlation. I, I am. Um, But no, obviously it didn't have anything to do with that, probably. Uh, but it's the 80s. It's got to slip mean, that qualifier in probably. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't entirely offensive or anything like that. No. Um. But it's the only record I certainly wouldn't listen to again. I mean, it was solid, but not great to me. I mean, sort of like what we said with the, the records, like, it wasn't musically offensive. It wasn't bad it wouldn't hurt you to listen to, but I wouldn't listen to this There's EP again. There's a distinct difference. Yeah, I will go back and listen to all of the other 70s and late 60s Three Dog Night, but not this.
0: Okay, Uh. well, first thing I'll say is I was thoroughly disappointed that the opening track, It's a Jungle Out There, was not a cover of the Randy Newman song, It's a Jungle Out <laughs> There. V- like, I cannot express mm-hmm. to you how excited I was to get the Three Dog Night harmonic version of that sure. song. Which, if you don't know that song, uh, if you've ever seen the TV show Monk, it's the theme song. Uh, it's a pretty popular song, but it's it's that that song. It's a jungle sure. out there. And I was like, whoa, what are they going to do? And it was just a totally different song. Yep. So instantly put me down. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't hate it as much. As Nick did. Again, I didn't even hate it. I know. I just don't. I didn't like Um, it. It it just very super, like, schmaltzy 80s. Yep. Still really strong harmonics and vocals. Right. It just felt corny. Yeah. Just a little bit corny. Like I said before, they just feel like they're a band that goes in, has their songs handed to them, and has a blast recording them. Yeah. And I I got that same vibe here. The only difference is we don't love the 80s music as much. Nothing is wrong with the, with the vibe or the feel. We just don't love the music as much. Definitely not. I don't think they necessarily changed their approach. Right. Um, but, but that's it. Um, I, I honestly don't have much else to say. Uh, it's only five tracks, so it's hard to talk about. Sure. Uh, the highlight for me would be Shot in the Dark. Okay. Just that one felt the sure. strongest vocally. I, I respect that. And uh, let's grade them. Let's.
1: Uh, so to get a, a fuller, I guess, picture before we go into their cultural impact. Yeah. I'd like to at least talk a little bit about their sales and Please you know, their Please do. I actually here. have a couple historical things so, to talk about as well. So I will say, first of all, in total, they had, in the U.S. at least, 21 top 40 hits, 10 top 10 hits, and three number ones. Yeah. Which is a lot. Uh, and not only... I mean, they had singles charting in the u.s they had them charting in austria canada germany the netherlands uh new zealand south africa the uk australia so it's not like they were only having any success no in the United they were States here. worldwide popular exactly and i will say um i was having a little bit of trouble finding definitive information but i according to classicbands.com uh by 1975 they had already sold nearly 50 million records uh, including all their singles as incredible. well as full-length yeah. records so tons of hits tons of sales uh definitely very consistently true. relevant their first uh, either seven or eight albums in a row um went the first one went platinum and then the next seven went gold yeah so i mean very very consistently popular uh over and over and over again and i think that's got to count for Several points above average.
0: Uh, Okay. Uh, I will continue to add to that by saying a very interesting fact to me. In December of 1972, Three Dog Night hosted the first Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Oh, no kidding. Which was actually called in 72, Three Dog Night's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. So, like, that show, which is still on the air today, I believe it's like Ryan Seacrest now or something. I have no idea. But, like, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve was forever ever. Yeah. I mean basically lasted up until either the year before or the year of Dick Clark's passing. Mm. And Three Dog Night actually hosted the first one. That's how popular they were. Yeah. Very cool. Just and then also uh you know not necessarily adding to their cultural impact but Three Dog Night is rumored to be one of the bands affected by the 2008 yes. Universal mm-hmm. fire. That's correct
1: so okay so all that being said it. i'm in the sevens i don't know i about would you.
0: easily be putting them in the sevens as well okay uh, let's do like a seven two okay
1: i'm totally fine with that uh breadth of work i all that same stuff applies i mean it's also got to be pretty high the quality up until that final ep was very good and they consistently yeah. sold gold records gold singles 50 million plus total records by now i'm sure that's even higher um yeah so I've... they've probably got to be up in the sevens again. Easily uh, cl- closing in on eight, I would say, like a seven nine. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, there's n- it's got to be, it's got to be with that kind of sales. Yeah, and down. I mean,
0: here's the thing we're going to continue down this road.
1: Yeah, we are uh, going to continue down things this road. are going to be really good for one more category. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, but this category is a-, is a killer one for them, too, in a good way. I guess, yeah, you're talking I agree. a band, so. Nick, you have highlighted a multiple albums of theirs. The mm-hmm. organ playing, yeah, the different which I instrumental work was very good. I
1: think the guitar work was good too. Yeah, I get I would put the organ work and the guitar work above average, but probably not more than by like a point. Right. But the vocalists, the three uh, the vocalists, the whole thing—that's they're all very talented singers, and and that's got to definitely bring them up. Some, a lot of killer too. range, a lot of yeah.
0: energy. The the fact that they have three vocalists means that they can tackle different genres of sure. music and different sounds very uh-huh. easily. You know
1: I'm uh, probably in a fairly similar place uh to where we were with the first two on like that high sevens, low eights range.
0: And I'm I'm with that as yeah. well. I would be probably closer to high sevens. That's totally fine. Like I'd go with another seven. seven nine. Nine. Yeah, no, i jinx Nick. Yeah, okay. I realized a podcast doesn't work for that. That's correct. Especially with only the two of us hosting. Right.
1: Okay, so here's the problem that we now face. They never wrote <laughs> any of their songs, and their songwriting and poetic talent are going to really tank.
0: Yeah. Well, now here's the question.
1: Did they do their own arrangements?
0: Did they do their own arrangements? Can we give them I will something? I would be willing
1: to give them a point, a full point I for the vocal arrangements. I will give them
0: a full point. I love it. I love it because the next one- There's they, nothing. Yeah, they didn't- they, they didn't, didn't write d- it.
1: Rearrange the lyrics. So. i mean point one. <laughs> yep um is there x-factor in any of that stuff that we talk about i mean i don't know if I it's would, necessarily honestly X factor, but. i would
0: give them you know less than less than a point maybe about half a point for the combination of the dick clark's new year's rock and eve thing and but mostly the universal fire being one of the artists that have been impacted by that is interesting and is, is like interesting, a interesting but point.
1: that could be a, a i'll go a point three for the combination of those two things
0: oh man now i gotta find something else Wait, All right. hold on. Can we give them a point, too for the one... Uh, like, Nick, we have managed to talk about Three Dog Night now for multiple minutes and not mention Jeremiah was a bullfrog and was a good friend that was really, of mine. That was really nice.
1: Like, that was actually not the first... The first Three Dog Night song I ever heard as a youth was Mama Told Me Not to Come, actually, well, which was their other number yeah. one that we haven't mentioned
0: i'm just saying like a lot of people three dog night is synonymous i'm gonna with give them a point the song joy to the world i will accept that excellent but i just can't believe we managed to talk about three I dog know. night for what 15 well, 20 I mean, minutes well you
1: just we talked about how many huge hits that they had so like we we're I gonna know. have to leave some out um but i do have scores for you and it was a tight race today yeah it was definitely I can a tight imagine. race today but a very solid day overall yeah uh and coming in third today the the yeah. I think we kind of anticipated that that would be uh, the case for us. But a very respectable 22.9. Wow. In third place. Okay.
0: That's mm-hmm. very respectable yeah. for them.
1: And we shall see that the winner today only so outscored the the by three and a half points.
0: Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. That's really tight. Okay. Let's see who wins. <laughs>
1: And our winner today is Love Ooh. with a 26.4. So only oh, three man. and a half points separating the 22.9 and the 26.4 with Three Dog Nights sitting right in the middle at a 24.5 because they lost all those points at the end they for not writing anything. any songs. Yeah. Wow. They were on They were on track to to wipe the floor with everyone and they, then stopped writing. They were.
0: So. I mean, seriously, the fact that they scored a 24 without writing anything.
1: Yeah, that's definitely good. I mean,
0: that's got to say something. Like, yeah. kudos oh, to them. Totally. Kudos to the the. Thanks for playing. Exactly. But shout out to to love. love.
1: Totally deserved. Absolutely Absol- deserved. Well deserved win for them.
0: Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, that was a fun one. It was. Uh, it I, was a lot I'm of fun. telling you, audience, that that was fun. So you don't have to form your own opinion. Exactly. About
1: that's it. very important that you don't. We do that.
0: had fun today, and so did you. Exactly.
1: Uh. And if you want to have fun <laughs> again next week, you should come back and listen to us talk about Kansas.
0: Oh, that's a really mm-hmm. flat state. It it's is. it's actually proven uh that if you like zoom in on a pancake, it's actually more like more rigid and rugged than than Kansas. Okay. Just to scale. Right. That's that's great. To scale Kansas is well, flatter than a pancake. I'll
1: tell you what they do have a lot of dust in the wind.
0: <laughs> uh all right. We've
1: reached the point of no return.
0: <laughs> You're just gonna keep going. I'm gonna go you with Kansas more? puns.
1: Um uh, <laughs> save them for hold next week. on is also a kansas song so save hold on that for yes, next i week. agree
0: yeah you hold on till next week uh but seriously guys if you'd like to please uh throw us a like or a subscribe or a thumbs up or a view or a five star or just a dm saying hey you guys did something that i enjoyed that would be any nice. of those things would be applicable or really awesome to hear from you guys uh and if there's something you guys want from us like a certain like pairing of epic like oh these artists going together would be mm-hmm. really fun or i really want to hear your guys opinion on you know this artist or this group or we'd be totally down to do that or if you guys have any ideas for some non-linear episodes definitely so you know you know you've heard us do like the anatomy of a one-hit wonder which we're going to bring back again soon uh Mm -hmm. our dissection of live albums you know things like that please let us know you know we we thrive on on kind of challenging ourselves to do different things yeah Um, definitely and while you're doing that, if you're looking for inspiration on ideas to give us, you should do that while listening to our music. That's right. Uh, our debut album, Lifetime Left to Go, is, uh, is released on all popular streaming platforms, or if you live near us, via physical CD. That's correct. Uh, you would know if you lived near us, I think. You would. Uh, Seattle listeners, it's not you. Although we value you we do and if you if you want to DM us we'll send you a CD definitely through the U.S. Postal Service that's correct we've got an in with them Pat's dad works for him <laughs> I do I've got such an in yep he will walk the yep. CD absolutely. to you himself absolutely he'll deliver that uh, but seriously guys thank you so much for being a part of our uh, our weekly episodic adventure here to find the the musical best and uh, hopefully we see you all back next week and if you guys enjoy it tell your friends uh, but most importantly have a great day